Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation. Stephen Fonsi, Paulie Sebelia, back with you here on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. Big show for today. Two big-time guests. We've got Donovan McNabb coming your way at 1 o'clock. And we go to our guest line to bring on our first guest today. Uh, you know him as a columnist and an analyst for ESPN. He's a Syracuse University grad. Jeff Passan is our guest on the show. Jeff, how are you today? Two Syracuse University 1998-1999 students on the same show. I'm very impressed. Dynamic duo. I was a lowly freshman when Donovan McNabb was uh, a senior running around and owning the world. You you may not know this, uh, Jeff, uh, but you are a legend on our show. Uh, You came on with us uh, about two years ago. And you had to leave the interview after like 90 seconds because you, there was a free agent signing that you had to pass along. You had breaking news and you, you, you abruptly got off. You, you were very nice about it, but you got off the phone and, and you, it's legendary. So it, everybody else is fighting for second place when it comes to best guests on our show all time. You, you certainly hold the honor at this point. I have to confess, uh, I actually think I just had to go to the bathroom and needed to come up with an excuse. Sorry about that. Well, it was a good excuse. Uh, it, it worked. Uh, <laughs> let's talk some baseball. There's a lot to get to. Um, you know, I want to talk Yankees. I want to talk Mets. I want to start, though, with the, the scene that we saw last week with that Field of Dreams game because there's there's so much that Major League Baseball doesn't get right. Man, they hit that out of the park with uh, you know just the the visuals and the the scene and the stadium and the game and I mean it was it, it, there was so much to to love about that game. Uh, your thoughts on that particular event moving forward? Do you think they should do something like that every year? Do you do you think they should do it in the same location every year? What, what were your thoughts about that Field of Dreams game? I'll be honest, I did not watch a single pitch of that game because I was up in Boston. And and this ties back to Syracuse, so I problem. I promise I'm not going off on a complete tangent here. Uh, but uh, a guy named Chris Snow, who was with me uh, for three of the years I was at Syracuse and, and worked at the Daily Orange with me, uh, was diagnosed a couple of years ago with ALS, and uh, he was given six to nine months to live. And here we are, two and a half years later. Uh, he is not only still alive, but he threw out the first pitch at Fenway Park that day. Wow. So a a big group of uh, us, many of whom uh, our Syracuse alumni got together that day and were otherwise preoccupied. I saw highlights. It was very cool. I don't know about the repeatability factor. You know, part of me wonders if this is like a one-time, okay, that was really rad, and we're going to keep seeing it with teams that aren't interesting and like the Cubs and the Reds next year. Yeah. I mean, this this almost feels like, a Cowboys Thanksgiving type thing where the White Sox should be in it every year and just have a, a rotating cast of characters. So you're still honoring, uh, I suppose, a team that doesn't necessarily warrant honoring in the Black Sox, but still that's part of baseball history. And the whole point of this, right, is to tug at that nostalgia and, and honor the history that uh, is such a part of the fabric of Major League Baseball and, uh, and, and really attract people, I think. I mean, I heard from more like random, one-off baseball fans, you know, neighbors, people who my kids go to school with. Are you at the Field of Dreams game? Uh, You know, uh, than I have for anything in a really long time. 
Yankees, of course, lost that game uh, in dramatic fashion. They've lost a lot of tough games this year. Like when you look back on the season, games that they probably should have won, that they let slip away. Uh-huh. Yet here they are, uh, you know, t- tied for the the first wild card spot now after last night, tied with the the Oakland A's and, and the Red Sox percentage points back. Uh, what has changed? For the Yankees, they were forty-one and forty-one uh, back on July fourth, and you know yeah. since then they've won seventy-one percent of their games. What has been the difference for this Yankees team? I think it's been a couple of things. I think number one, uh, they have been more patient uh, hitting. I think they've done an incredibly good job in close games, and that doesn't tend to be the sort of thing that replicates itself. So there's part of me that sits here and thinks, okay, don't go crowning the Yankees right now because uh, they were really mediocre for a lot longer period of time than they've been really good. And and while I understand that this team that has Joey Gallo now and has Anthony Rizzo and has Luis Heal pitching the way that he is, uh, is a more talented team, uh, I still don't think that the Yankees are the creme de la creme in the American League. I still think that there are flaws in that lineup um, and that beyond Garrett Cole, uh, there really aren't any starting pitchers there. While they have depth, there are no guys who I look at them and say, this is somebody who I am going to trust uh, in a playoff game. Now, you can make the same argument for the Houston Astros. And you can make the same argument with the Chicago White Sox. And certainly when it comes to starting pitching, uh, or just pitching altogether with the Tampa Bay Rays. But uh, the, the reality is at this point, those teams all have better records than the Yankees. And the Yankees are going to need to, uh, in all likelihood, use Garrett Cole in the wild card game, which limits him to only one start in a division series. And the, the Yankees are going to be inherently disadvantaged because of that. You know, you, you look at the American League East, Jeff, and, you know, we talk about certainly the Yankees and Red Sox and even the Blue Jays, and, you know, they're fun to watch, but yet it's the it's the Tampa Bay Rays uh, leading the way, and they've got a little bit of a comfortable cushion right now. I mean, five games clear of the Yankees, five games clear of the Red Sox, nine games clear of the Blue Jays. Um, you think anybody could catch Tampa in, in the AL East? I, I mean, I look at it this way. Like, the Yankees were ten and a half back of... Uh, of the Red Sox like six weeks ago. And here we are six weeks later, and they are, you know, mathematically tied with them at this point. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think a, a five-game a five game advantage is certainly surmountable. But uh, I also think the Rays are a different team than the Red Sox. And I think we have to be very cognizant of that, that the the Rays are a very good baseball team. I don't know how. I don't know why. I look at their roster every day, and I'm like, this is not as talented. This is not as good. doesn't make a difference. They just win ballgames. And when a team wins ballgames, uh, I, I just I don't question it quite as much, especially when it's been as consistently as the Rays have been doing it for years now. All right. How about this other New York team that, you know, the Mets were, you know, looking great for the first half of the season and they've, they've fallen on hard times. They're now below 500, 59 and 60. They're four and a half out of the division lead behind the Braves. Uh, Phillies are ahead of them. Are the Mets done, in your opinion? I mean, I know mathematically it's, you know, it's very doable. We just talked about how the Yankees can make up five games and the Mets are four and a half back, but are, are they done based on what you've seen? I don't like burying teams 
in mid-August because baseball is a very weird sport. I don't know who else could get injured for Atlanta. Uh, I don't know, uh, you know, what the the status of Philadelphia's inconsistency is going to look like. And more than anything, I don't know when Francisco Lindor is going to be back and when Jacob DeGrom is going to be back. And and those, to me, are, are the two animating factors when it comes to the Mets' contention. Uh, that being said, uh, yeah, it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. And the, and the frustrating part for, for the organization and for their fans is that they had an opportunity. They had months where the Braves were playing mediocre baseball, and they had months where the Phillies had an extremely challenging schedule. And now the Mets are the ones with a hard schedule. The Mets are the ones with the injuries. And the Mets are the ones who didn't build a big enough cushion to sustain these things. And so they're four and a half back for a reason. They're four and a half back because they weren't six or seven ahead when they needed to be. You know, you look at the National League as a whole, Jeff. um, I think coming into the season, a lot of us looked at the National League and we said, man, the Dodgers and Padres, they're both so good. You know, it's going to be one of those two teams representing the NL in the World Series. And, you know, here we are in the middle of August and it's the Giants that continue to have the best record in baseball. Dodgers are still looking good. Padres have fallen off. What do you make of that NL West? And uh, do you look at the Giants as the best team in baseball right now or do you still consider the Dodgers the, the favorites to win it all? Uh, I I don't see the Giants as the best team in baseball, and it's stupid of me. And I feel I, I feel like I'm not following my own edict, right? Which is like follow the team that wins, um, and and trust that it's winning for a reason. I just you know the Dodgers, if you look at record, uh, are like second or third best right now, and they've also got more talent. And, listen, I worry about Mookie Betts' health, and I wonder about Clayton Kershaw, and those are two guys who really matter. But the fact that the Dodgers have played as well as they have without them, I think, is indicative of something. That being said, the the Giants have been the best-performing team in baseball all season, and that is something you simply cannot and should not discount. And, And more than that, Buster Posey's back and healthy. Brandon Belt is back and healthy. Brandon Crawford's been great all year. Evan Longoria just came off the injured list. You know, I know I'm talking about a bunch of olds, but these are olds who are performing. And uh, while while I I don't believe in modern baseball history, the oldest team by by weighted average age, which the Giants are at 30.7 years this year, uh, has ever won a World Series. But uh, teams that are old have gotten to World Series, and uh, while it would, it, I'm not going to say it would shock me, while it would surprise me if the Giants beat the Dodgers. And while I think the Giants are certainly susceptible to a team like the Brewers, um, if the Giants made the World Series this year, um, they, they would certainly have earned it, and it would not be a fluke. Uh, I got to just ask one quick question of you, Jeff. I'm a Padres fan. They're a game and a half Sorry. up on the Reds. Yeah, I know, right? They're a game and a half up on the Reds. Who do you see getting that final wild card spot out of the NL? 
I hate to put it on one player because I don't think that's fair, but uh, I think if Fernando Tatis Jr. is healthy for the rest of the season, it's going to be a hell of a race. And I think if Tatis gets hurt, then it's the Reds. All right. Uh, there you go. Plain and simple, Paulie. Can he pitch too? <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, you know what though? You could you could ask the same for like twenty eight teams around baseball. So you know, there the, the Padres. I understand Darvis is on the injured list now. Snell's not doing what he was uh, supposed to, and gave up Patino for him. Mackenzie Gore is uh, gone where when he should be in the big leagues, helping right now. And you can go on and on and on about the, the Padres pitching problems, but. Uh, they also got no hit by a guy in his first start uh, in the big leagues. That so, is true. The, you know, the, the the issues are multifold there, and it's very interesting to look at their schedule. Uh, they do not play really bad teams the rest of the way. Uh, and yet somebody with the organization said to me, that's okay, we suck against bad teams and we're great against good teams. <laughs> and I went, look, and that is actually true. The Padres play up to their competition and – Sometimes they play down to it, too. Well, listen, Jeff, uh, this was a whole lot of fun. Uh, thanks for sticking in there for the entire interview this time. I would, <laughs> I would have taken it personally if, if you did not. But I, I appreciate uh, your time. Uh, very gracious and uh, an open invitation. Anytime you can make it out, we'd love to have you. We'd love talking baseball with you. Thanks for coming on, Jeff. All right. I muted it when I went to the bathroom this time, so thank you guys. <laughs> there he is, Jeff Passan from ESPN. And with that, we'll open up phone lines the rest of hour number one, 315-437-7644. We can talk baseball. We can certainly get into football as well. We've got Donovan McNabb set to join us at the top of hour number two. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.